Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. All righty then. Welcome to Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here. This is podcast 464. So we talk about artificial intelligence, AI, chat, GPT. How's this going to help hurt the world of persuasion, sales, influence, negotiation, maybe even mindset, take your job, not take your job. We got to talk about that. Before we do, always wishing everyone a great week, achieving their goals, becoming more influential, put more tools in that persuasion toolbox, changing your life, changing other lives, proving the world, whatever it is that you're doing. Glad that you're here. Please tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. You can find it under Maximize Your Influence under iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Google, you name it, or go straight to MaximizeYourInfluence.com for everything you need, all the links that we're talking about. Home of your free Persuasion IQ assessment, the specials, the coaching, the products, the services, the training, the keynote addresses, whatever you need, all right there. Track us down or send me an email at Kurt, K-U-R-T at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Let me know what you want to see, what you don't like. The good, the bad, the ugly, even the rude remarks, we will take them all. So teaching a few college courses this semester, and it's finals time. And you know what I realized? It's better to give than receive. (laughs) Meaning it's so much better, faster, and easier to give a final than to take a final. So let's dive into our persuasion blunder. Don't, don't, don't! And some of you might call it a ninja. But this is one we've talked about on the show before, Double Speak. There's actually a book out there called Double Speak. I call it verbal packaging because I include your voice, your rate of speech, your vocal variety. But Double Speak is when you take an offensive word like contract and say agreement instead of sign here, endorse this. Instead of a salesperson, they're a rep or a consultant. I mean, there's some good things here. Instead of credit card, form a payment. Instead of cancellation, right of rescission. And we can go on and on. And some people kind of tend to blow it a little bit too much, take it a little too far. There's no more used cars we see pre-owned. Then I saw one that was pre-loved. I'm like, okay, a little too much. Even on the plane, instead of crash, water landing, really? So the blunder part of this is they're taking it way too far. And I did come across a doublespeak page. It's the doublespeak award on wikiwan.com. Has going through some of them. A lot of political ones. And we stay pretty neutral politically on the show. But the one I wanted to take a look at was the Department of Defense. And they were talking about this missile defense system as an incomplete success. (laughs) That's taken a little too far. That would be a failure. And another one that takes it too far. Oh, well, you're being right-sized. You're being re-engineered. You're like, really? Just fire me already. So there are sometimes we just want the blunt truth. What we're talking about today is double speak when you substitute an offensive word for least offensive word, taking it way too far, putting way too much sugar on it, and it's the Department of Defense. Now, what's interesting, they used to be the War Department. So that was actually a good shift, Department of Defense. That's a good form of verbal packaging. But when you hear things like surgical strike, all right, they're bombing the city. They might be doing it in a surgical way with precision, but it's still bombing. 
Another one talked about was assertive disarmament. Okay, you're destroying the enemy. Collateral damage or collateral bombing. You hurt your own people. You killed your own people. That's terrible. Sometimes they'll call bombs assets. An interesting one, I think this might have come from Vietnam, is laying down the carpet. Oh, good for you, putting down some carpet. A little padding there, too. No, that's saturation bombing. You're just dropping as many as you can. So this is a good thing. I'm all about not triggering a bad subconscious trigger with a bad word, but sometimes we take it too far, then you're back on the radar. you got to be kind of in the middle. Like the Defense Department, we're talking about government, for example. When they say ethically challenged, all right, no, that's corrupt. Civil disorder, we know that's pretty much a riot. Well, there was a variance in, no, that would be a mistake. Or when the military pays thousands of dollars for a splash suppression device, which they find out later is a mud flap? Or they spend all this money on a thermal therapy kit with a bag of ice? Or I know you spend thousands of dollars on a hydroblast force cup, because it sounds pretty cool, but it's a plunger. <laughs> so with those, when you get it, you're like, wait a minute. So... It works, but this takes it a little too far. And with any persuasion technique, if you push it a little too far, close a little too hard. In negotiation, start way, way too high or way, way too low. There's always a technique we can take too far, too much. That's what's happening here. When it gets back on the radar that you're going a little too far, that that used car is pre-loved, you're like, mm, I don't think so. Or when the steak restaurant says it's beautifully marbled, you mean full of more fat, right? So there is a line we need to draw. So that is our blunder. Let me know what you think on that one. Send me your blunders. Love to put them on the podcast. Of course, anything we put on the podcast, you get the gold version for free of InfluenceUniversity.com. That's my work. The videos, the audios, the books, the presentations, the archives, all in one spot. There's even a free version. Check it out. InfluenceUniversity.com. All right. Housekeeping is done. Let's go into listener email. Oh, boy. Says Noah from Ireland. Kurt, I'm a proud graduate of 111 sales hacks. <laughs> Good for you because the short video is three, four minutes, but it's a sales technique, the tool, how to apply it. He goes on to say, Kurt, I'm persuading with power. Now, something that is new I want you to cover is this chat GPT, this AI. Of course, everyone I think already knows that's artificial intelligence, this robot thing. Can I leverage it for persuasion? Is it good, bad, the ugly? Let me know, Noah. All right, Noah, let's dive into it. Now, it's been around for a while. This is not brand new. It's been years that we've had cell centers where someone would call in on a cell phone or a phone, and boom, within seconds, their picture would pull up. They're from Seattle. It's raining. They like this coffee. Their dog's name, Peeve, right? Pet Peeve. <laughs> this is how much debt, married, children, the whole bit. Kind of scary, but all that information is out there. So that's been out there for a while. It's getting quicker, faster, better, and smarter. There's no doubt about it. And you could use ChatGPT. And if you haven't, you need to check it out. It's an incredible tool. Some people like Elon Musk say they're going to take over the world like the movie Terminator. We have to wait and see what's going on. But it is a powerful technology. You could have it pulled up. And if someone called up from a company or industry you weren't familiar with, Okay, this is ChatGPT, and there's others that are coming up to speed. Tell me the top three obstacles of this industry. What were the past three victories of this company? What is this company known for? If you don't know, you've got seconds. Type it in there. It'll tell you. That could be a game changer. Again, if it's a company or industry you don't know much about, put it in there. It pulls it up relatively fast, and it could really help you out. You look pretty smart. Well, I heard the top three 
Challenges for your industry are fill in the blank. What is this company known for? You can put it in the company name and it'll pop it out. You can look real smart, real fast, especially if you're over the phone. Maybe if you're doing a Zoom call, maybe not face-to-face. So I went right to the source, chat GPT. Now, is it biased? Maybe. But let's see what it says. The question was, how will AI hurt sales? Again, AI, artificial intelligence. It says... While AI has the potential to revolutionize the sales process and increase efficiency, there are some ways in which it could potentially hurt sales. Here are a few examples. Lack of personalization. Talking about AI's heavy in automation. Doesn't give that personal touch that many customers crave. So there's some honesty there from a robot. Customers may feel like they're being treated as a number rather than as an individual. We felt that before with customer service where it's trying to guess your answer and they're not even close. Do you know it's a robot? The next one's over-reliance on technology. Salespeople who rely too heavily on AI tools may become overly dependent on technology. Doing all the work, all the reports, maybe even writing the emails. And and that is something you can use it for, writing emails, but you still need to proof it. Of course, AI is only good as the information they have. So this one mentioned incomplete or incomplete data to rely on decisions. Salespeople must ensure that all their AI tools are working with accurate, up-to-date data to avoid risk. So then he says, to avoid these potential risks, salespeople should use AI tools in conjunction with their own knowledge, experience, and judgment to provide personalized human touch to the sales process. By using AI tools as a complement to their own skills, salespeople can improve efficiency and effectiveness while still maintaining strong relationships with the customer. So that's how it's going to hurt sales. And I said, all right, how will AI help sales? Put it right into chat GPT. This is what it came up with. Could be a little biased. How's it going to help sales? AI has the potential to revolutionize the sales process and provide numerous benefits to salespeople. All right, so it's starting off strong. The examples that it gives is improved lead generation. AI tools can analyze vast amounts of data to identify potential leads and prioritize them. And this can save salespeople time and effort by focusing on the leads that are most likely to result in a sale. All right. Increased efficiency. Automating routine tasks like data entry, lead scoring, scheduling appointments, freeing up salespeople to focus on more strategic tasks such as building relationships with prospects. Next example, enhanced personalization. AI tools can analyze data about prospects to create personalized targeted messages that speak directly to their pain points and needs. And another example, predictive analytics. Using and analyzing historical data to identify patterns to predict future outcomes. It's available 24-7. I agree with that one. And then at the end, it says, by leveraging AI tools to automate routine tasks, analyze data, and provide personalized messaging, salespeople can increase efficiency, improve customer services, and close more deals. And there was a little note here at the end. It's important to note that AI should not be used in conjunction with human expertise and judgment. Not a replacement for it. So there you go. There you have the pros, the cons, the good, the bad. The ugly is becoming too reliant on it, pulling from bad data, getting the wrong answer, and maybe even replacing you as an influencer. We'll have to see what the future holds. And then I asked it a few more questions. What is the number one sales mistake that hurts most salespeople? Right? I'm always interested doing research on blunders, interviewing your prospects after they've lied to you and said no. And it said, in my opinion, the sales mistake that hurts most salespeople is not listening to the customer. (laughs) Disappointed? 
I was. I mean, we harp on it all the time. We know it's an issue. We want some of this magical AI revelation. It didn't happen. But it says effective selling requires understanding the customer's needs and concerns and that most salespeople fail to listen. Pretty good definition here. Listening to a customer involves actively engaging in dialogue, asking questions, understanding their needs and concerns, and demonstrating empathy and understanding. Salespeople are focused on their own agenda or are more interested in talking than listening can quickly lose customers' attention and trust. I knew this, you knew this, and I was a little disappointed. I want to get one of that magical thing, but it's saying right here, searching all the data out there, it's listening. Many people call it active listening. I call it listening with your ears, eyes, and heart. ChatGPT says actively engaging in dialogue, asking questions, understand their needs and concerns, empathy, understanding, so you can keep their attention and trust. So I put another one in. What is the one thing that offends people during the sales process? I always go to the negative first, right? Hurts, offends. And of course, it covers its rear end. There are many things that could offend people during the sales process. But this one's interesting, being too pushy, too aggressive, that it makes the customer feel uncomfortable, even violated, leading to a breakdown in the sales relationship. I feel that most don't push hard enough, don't ask for the sale enough times, but there are those hard closers, backing people into a corner, feeling pushy, manipulated. It's no secret the moment they sense that they're being sold, they're going to resist you even though they need it, want it, and like it. And they define pushy sales tactics as too many forms, interesting, too many calls, too many emails, the high-pressure closing techniques or sales tactics, failing to respect a customer's boundaries, not respecting a customer's autonomy or preferences can break down the relationship. And that's something you need to decide here. Are you on the too pushy side, making people feel uncomfortable? I mean, those type of closes work every now and then. Are you just not asking enough? not being subtle enough, or are you a great influencer, as I define it, where they close themselves? And final one I asked, what is the number one thing prospects love about salespeople? So I went positive here. And here's the answer. When they provide value and offer solutions that meet their specific needs, that the salesperson took time to understand, there's a listing thing there, the customer's pain points, goals, and priorities, and tailored their presentation to address those specific concerns, not the one-size-fits-all. And as an influencer and a persuader, even though you know the answer, you still have to listen to their questions, to their pain, and that they feel that you understand exactly what they need. Then it goes on to say, prospects appreciate salespeople who are knowledgeable about their industry and can provide insights or information that they may not have been aware of. Well, teach something new. They also appreciate when salespeople are transparent, honest, and authentic in their communication, which builds trust and rapport. Well, what do you know? And the bottom line, according to ChatGPT, in short, the thing that prospects love most about salespeople is when they feel like they are willing to go above and beyond to help them achieve their goals. By focusing on providing value and building strong relationships, salespeople can differentiate themselves from competitors and AI, I added that one, and build long-lasting, mutually beneficial partnerships with their prospects. <laughs> There you go. There you have it. Went right to the source. So there's some good there. Don't become too dependent on it. Know that it's not always 100% correct, but it is something that you can quickly find out about something before the call, even during a call, that can make you sound smarter than you actually are. So with that, that brings us to our geeky Scarly article. 
from Cambridge and UCLA University, Psych Central, and Simone Marie. How do you respond to rude or inappropriate remarks? Part of us wants to just fight back. I mean, this could be a family member, a coworker, or a stranger. Of course, I'll post this link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. They are trying to be hurtful. What's going on here? They struck a nerve. You want to attack back. So how do you react so things don't get worse? Perspective is key. So you've got to just kind of back up and like, what's the intent here? Are they trying to push my buttons, get a reaction out of me? Are they missing some social filters? So consider the larger picture, especially your relationship with that person. That somebody you don't care about, a stranger versus someone that you're living with or a business partner. So careful, back up, don't react. If they're looking for reaction, don't give it to them. It's like blood in the water from any personalities to where, yeah, pushing the button, like teasing, right? You want that reaction. Careful not to give it to them. Take a moment. I like to think, you know, people react because of how they're feeling on the inside, what's really going on. Is this even worth the time to try to resolve or even talk to this person, especially if it's a stranger? So here they go on to say, how do you respond to a rude comment? I'll say mean remark a negative heckler, whatever you want to call it. And the article says, when we pause versus react, we give ourselves the opportunity to be more objective and see things for what they are. Then we can be truly intentional with our words and have a productive conversation. And make sure you get the blood back in your brain. Even if it's an email or a text, write it out, be mean, use your profanity, whatever you need to do, and then let it sit, take a break, pause, I agree. The next one was detach. Your restraint shows more growth than trying to prove a point. Because you can lose a lot of credibility in front of a group of people when you lose control, get angry, call somebody names. Again, remember, some people just thrive on conflict. They like to fight. They like to be hurtful. They like to pull you down because that pushes them up. Just detach. It's not getting to you, even if it is. And just focus on something else. Another one is state your boundary. People understand boundaries when they're clear. Maybe they didn't know that was rude or mean or that's not your style, that's not your personality, that's not appropriate, that's not something you really talk about, or that's offensive. we got to be careful. Everything's offensive now. we got to back up and realize that even though it's not our intent, it can come across as offensive. The article goes on to say, you don't have to overly explain why you're drawing a boundary. You just need to clearly state it. Please do not ask me that question again. In the future, I'll just walk away if you make comments about that again. So I'd say if you're stern here, maybe even a little controlled anger, you just draw the line. We're not going there. That's not appropriate. You can leave the meeting if you need to, but you can't do fill in the blank, draw the line. And usually that works. Again, some people, after drawing the line 15 times, you can have to come up with another solution. Next one is don't waste your breath. They're polarized. You can't reason with them. They're not open for discussion. You're 100% wrong and they're 100% right. They're treating with contempt like you're the dumbest person on earth. They're looking for reaction. They're backing you into a corner. Yeah, just walk away. Next one is leverage nonverbal cues. You're calm. You're not giving a reaction. If it's obviously to the group that it's hurtful, you just shake your head, maybe side to side in the no fashion. You step, you turn away. You look, really, you look hurt. You leave the room. This is going to depend on the situation, the person, the history, the relationship. All these things come into play. So, not sure on that one. If you want to look hurt, leave the room, start crying. I mean, 
That could work if they didn't mean it, but if they're trying to push your buttons, I'd be careful of that one. So they go on to say if the direct approach makes you feel uncomfortable, you can also try a different approach by asking a question. What? Tell me more. Why do you say that? Really? Where did you hear that? And I've done that before to where you're like, wow, that's interesting. Where did you get the study on that? Can you send me the link? Can you send me the podcast? Did you send me the TED Talk? Can you send me the news feed? Whatever it is, especially if you think they're just pulling it out of the air to where you can do your own research. So there you go. Lots of content. That's our podcast for today. Thanks for being here. Can tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. Let me know about your questions, concerns, and comments. Visit us at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. But again, take something that you've learned today. Get it ready to put in your persuasion toolbox. Because as you mash these skills, you become a better person, a better influencer, a better leader, a better negotiator. You increase your trust. You increase your rapport. And as you know, now you've got the license to go out and persuade with power. 